This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Claire, when we decided to do Julian Assange this week, I started reading and I realised that the topic of Julian Assange and WikiLeaks has actually been around for my entire adult career. All my time working in news and media, it's been a story and I still don't fully understand it all. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair enough because it is so very complicated and there are so many players involved with it. Uh, it's been around a very long time and certainly we're no closer to a resolution, but it's an exciting week for that. Yeah, it's a perfect one for News Club because there's a lot to read, but a lot of agenda behind it. And also so much around it that's just outright fascinating and philosophical. It, it is a very philosophical conversation about beliefs and where you sit. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. And this is News Club, the place to go for conversations about the news. Let's start with the context. Let's just give everyone their bearings. We're talking about this this week because there's a two-day hearing happening for Assange in the UK's High Court. And what that's about is determining whether Julian Assange should be granted a full appeal to challenge his extradition to the United States. If he's granted that right, that appeal, it's not over. It mm. will continue. But if he loses it, he will have exhausted all of the avenues in the United Kingdom. And it's possible that he could be sent to the United States to face charges of espionage and hacking. So if he's extradited and found guilty, he could face 175 years in prison. So basically forever. Forever. So as the founder of WikiLeaks, he's been behind the publishing of sensitive documents, heaps of them, Claire. So we're talking everything from the film industry to national security and wars. It's the latter that's got him in a lot of trouble. One of those leaks in particular sort of sent this stratospheric in 2010. WikiLeaks published a video from a US military helicopter showing the killing of 18 civilians in Baghdad in Iraq, including two staff members of the media outlet Reuters. And, Kate, I remember as a press secretary in those days exactly when that happened mm. because we were asked a question about this Australian guy who yeah. was in a lot of trouble and what we thought about it. It was just that moment in time. And, of course, later in 2010 it really became a very big deal and that was when WikiLeaks published a massive classified US military documents. It was on the Afghan and the Iraq wars. Among those documents were details of Afghan civilian casualties that hadn't been previously disclosed. That was a really big deal. Uh, also, America's efforts to pursue Osama bin Laden and much, much more than that. That was followed by more than 250,000 secret cables, diplomatic cables, that were sent by the US State Department that went into the inner workings of very important negotiations with nations and also America's candid assessments of world leaders that proved to be quite embarrassing once they were out in the public domain. Sure were. Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State at the time. She's been a leading critic of Assange. He published emails from her 2016 presidential campaign as well. She said, he's a nihilistic opportunist. For anyone else who wants to Google nihilistic, I've done it for you. I thought I knew what it meant, but I just wanted to check. It means without value values. That's <laughs> very helpful, Kate. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, yeah, just boiling it down, those who support him say that he's a publisher and a champion of free speech. Those who don't support him say that he's just someone who broke the law and that what he did was very dangerous. It's a riveting one. Let's dive into Club Picks this week. 
We were swimming, drowning in options for club picks this week, Claire. So much has been written, said, broadcast about Julian Assange. We're going to start off, though, I think, with a place to get your bearings if that's what you need. It's a straight up and down article in Time magazine, which just gives you the who's who. Yeah, it's a bit about Assange and also a timeline of those sorts of things. It goes through the nuts and bolts of those very big leaks and why they were important to note. Um, Also, his seven years holed up in Ecuador's embassy in London. That was before he ended up in prison in the United Kingdom, where he's been for almost five years. Maximum security prison, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. The next club pick this week is from a couple of years ago. It's a long profile piece which ran in the Good Weekend magazine about Jennifer Robinson. She's sort of an adjacent character in all of this, but she's interesting because she's an Australian as well. She grew up in Berry on the New South Wales South Coast. She's a Rhodes Scholar, a human rights lawyer. She's been on Assange's legal team for well over 10 years now, working pro bono on the case. You will see her speaking to the media about her views on why he should be released. Yeah, you sure will. She's one of the loudest voices saying that Assange is a journalist Mm. and that it's just absurd that he could face extradition from the United Kingdom to face prosecution in the United States for what she says is publishing truthful information that was in the public interest. Yeah, that is essentially Assange's defence and the view of his supporters. We also highly recommend that read because she's just one fascinating Australian, a woman absolutely at the top of her game. She represented Amber Heard, remember Claire, in the case against Johnny Depp. She's a surfer. She's a country girl. What a story. Yeah, it's a huge story. She's so very interesting. Yeah, she's also just one side of the fence when it comes to Assange, of course. Another formidable woman who's on the other side is Hillary Clinton. And that brings us to our third club pick this week. It's an interview from way back in 2017. Kate, it's a bit confronting that that was that long ago because you and I both recall watching this interview live. Mm. It doesn't feel like that long ago. Um, That was after she lost the election to Donald Trump. It's with ABC TV's Four Corners and Sarah Ferguson. And as you say, Hillary Clinton has been one of the loudest voices about Julian Assange. She says he's not a journalist, Mm. that he should be held responsible for publishing information that put people's lives at risk and also America's national security at risk. Yeah, it's a long interview. We've got the time code in there. So if you just want to pick up the bits about Assange specifically, you can do that. But what she says is he's a tool of Russian intelligence. And just to explain that quickly, because I thought that was a bit of a departure from uh, this idea around national security and this leaking of information around wars. How is Russia involved? Well, Clinton's view and the view of many involved in US politics is that the information WikiLeaks published was designed to hurt the US and that Assange never published similar damaging information about Russia. As they got towards the 2016 election, Russia's interference in it was a really big deal. WikiLeaks then published information about her campaign that was supported by Russia. She says it helped Trump to win the presidency. Yeah, it's like a lasagna, this one, isn't it? There's just so many layers to it. Yeah, you can see why we had trouble picking our club picks this week, but those three are the place to go. Of course, links in your episode notes and head to our Instagram channel as well uh, if you want a quickie and easy way to get to them. Let's chat. The chat part of this podcast, Claire, is always broken into three parts. First part is about Julian, the human, the son, the father. The long story short, he was born in Townsville. 
Yeah, and moved around a lot. Some reports say that he went to up to 37 schools before Mm. settling in Melbourne, which is kind of hard to fathom. Um, He became a father at a very young age. He was just 18 years old. Many have described him as intense and driven and highly intelligent. Uh, From a young age, part of his story is that he became very interested in computers and became an expert hacker quite early in his life. Reading some of the commentary around him, and that is like that intensity, that intelligence is highlighted a lot. He also is a quirky looking person and his physical appearance has been commented on quite a bit um, and that's changed a lot over time and we'll get to his health in a minute. He was once charged, Claire, with hacking and narrowly avoided jail. It's also said he had a long-standing interest in ethics, in concepts of justice, the way governments go about their business. That led to the founding of WikiLeaks in 2006 when he was in his mid-30s. Yeah, and we haven't really got into, Kate, how Sweden fits into all oh, of this. Sweden, of Because things are already complex enough, as we said, a bit of a lasagna. Um and I don't think, though, you can talk about Julian Assange and his story without talking about the accusations of sexual offences. Those were made by women in Sweden in 2010. He denies any of those charges. Sweden dropped the cases that they had mounted against him because they said it was too hard to get to him to have him answer those charges. He's always said they were baseless, Claire. He's 52 now. You mentioned the child he had when he was young. There are two other children now, two young boys, Gabriel and Max, from his relationship with Stella Morris, now Assange. That happened when he was in the Ecuadorian embassy, so they're five and three now. Yeah, and he and Stella married in 2022. She paints a very grim picture of his health and for several years now his advisors and doctors and lawyers and United Nations representatives even have said that he's in a really bad way and that he could die in prison in the UK. Yeah, so as I said earlier, he's in isolation in Belmarsh Prison. There have been long-standing concerns about his mental health. Belmarsh Prison is a high-security, maximum-security prison in the UK. I was interested to hear Stella Assange talk about the positive impact that getting access to a typewriter has had on his well-being. Yeah, so he doesn't have internet access and what she says is that he's always been a thinker and a writer and that he needed to be able to have some sort of outlet to put down his thoughts. So access to a typewriter three years ago really changed things for him in prison. We're creeping towards that conversation around whether he's a journalist or not and I think we've landed there, Claire. That's our second point. And the second theme around all of this is whether or not Julian Assange is a journalist. Yep, and certainly a lot of media outlets think that he is. A bit more than a year ago, the New York Times, The Guardian and some big European publishers, Le Monde, uh, De Spiegel and El Pari, they signed a letter calling on the US government to drop its charges against Assange. What they say is that America's charging of Assange under that Espionage Act sets a dangerous precedent that actually threatens to undermine the First Amendment and also the freedom of the press. And you know it's a good day when we get to talk about the First Amendment, Claire. We're really getting into it now. The US Constitution, it's part of the US, it's obviously the First Amendment of the US Constitution. It protects freedom of speech and the press, amongst other things. Hillary Clinton directly addresses this in that club pick that we recommended earlier, and I'm just going to leave that there as a tease for you to go (laughs) and actually listen to how she responds to that. The US government, they say this case isn't about that. They say he conspired with hackers to steal sensitive information. 
And that's a really important distinction because his supporters say that the charges that the US have against Assange, they're not about hacking. In fact, 17 out of the 18 are about receiving and publishing information. And what they say is those are acts of journalism that are carried out every day by media organisations. That was a live debate in years gone past, but the tone has really changed in recent times. Yeah, and I'll drop a little tease in here that this is the theme of my final thought in this podcast today, so hold on to that. There is a definite tone shift. Let's get to the third theme, though, Claire, and that is that he's Australian. There's a big Aussie angle in all of this. Stella Assange has actually spoken with plenty of media here in Australia of late. She did an interview with Fran Kelly over the weekend, Claire. They talk about the fact that the moves in Australia last week where two-thirds of the House of Reps supported a motion calling for Assange's release was significant for Assange's case. Yeah, and on that ABC interview, she goes through how it was all brought together. It was brought by the Tasmanian independent Andrew Wilkie. It passed the House of Reps with 86 votes in favour and 42 against. It was supported by Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and the Labor government, which is very significant in stacking this all up. And look, just doing the maths in my head, uh, there are 55 coalition MPs in the lower house. So that doesn't quite equate with the 42 who were against it. So you had one uh, Liberal MP cross the floor to vote for the motion uh, and then a few were absent from the vote. The important thing in all of this, Claire, is that it's really not about who didn't vote for it. And I say that because the coalition voting against it doesn't mean that there aren't plenty on that side of politics that do support his release. They just didn't agree on the motion's wording. So, for example, talk to us about Barnaby Joyce. Yeah, so of course he's the former Nationals leader. He's the current spokesperson for the Coalition for Veterans Affairs. He's a vocal supporter of getting Assange back to Australia. And in fact, last year he joined a group of MPs and senators of all flavours. They went to the United States to lobby for the case to be dropped. And all of this really raises questions about what influence politicians could have on what is an international legal process. Can I read out a quote from Joyce here from that trip, just to give you a sense of how clear he is on his position? He said, I don't terribly like Assange, but there is a principle at stake here and it doesn't matter if I don't like him. You, America, are setting a dangerous precedent. Yeah, that's Barnaby style, isn't it? He doesn't really hold back. He doesn't mince his words. Um, and in that interview, Frank Kelly, Kate, that we just mentioned, Stella Assange talks about how important it is that that motion was passed and that Prime Minister Albanese supported it and that delegations go on and make representations, including that one that Joyce was on when they went to the United States. In her words, what she says is they need a political solution to what is a political trial. Yeah, they're very deliberate words. What those politicians and his supporters also say is that this has gone on way too long. Enough is enough, is what Albanese said. And it's not just these public statements. A lot has been happening behind the scenes. Our Attorney General Mark Dreyfus has raised it with his American counterpart. The Prime Minister even raised it with US President Joe Biden. And what those Americans say is that the charges stand and it's a tricky one for Biden because he risks domestic political blowback if he does intervene mm. in the case. That's because Conservatives and Donald Trump, if he is the Republican candidate, they could use it against him to say that he's just not tough enough on national security issues. As I said, big, big topic. And even just looking at the, that Barnaby quote that that there's principles at stake here, this is all very much about people's principles. 
There's an election coming up in the US, Claire. Does this play a role? Well, and that is the question, which is why it's being so very delicately handled and what is happening right now, what's happening with this appeal is coming at a very sensitive time. Each week we drop a poll in our Monday News Club newsletter. If you're not signed up to it, we'll put a link in your episode notes. It's a companion to this podcast because you get the links to the club picks and a note from us. Yeah, how good is that on a Monday? You get the (laughs) links, you get a note. It's a good one. And look, as you said, it's also a chance to participate in a poll and immediately squizzes have some really strong views about Julian Assange. We asked the question of whether he is a journalist or a criminal or if it's gone on too long now uh, and whether he should be released from prison in the United Kingdom. It's an interesting one to watch because the minute we sent that newsletter out, we got some very clear opinions around the fact that he is a journalist and what he did was release information in the public interest. The gap's narrowed, though. The longer the poll's been out there, the gap's narrowed a bit. There's more people now or nearly more people now saying that it's gone on too long and he should be let go, but not as opinionated around uh, the public interest and the journalism point. Um, Quite a few saying he's a criminal who should face trial in the US. Yeah, which is to highlight that there's a group who were stridently against him and his actions. Uh, One well-informed squizzes referred to a very widely reported comment that he made when he was asked in 2011 uh, about the ethics of release classified information. Uh, Some of that included the names of Afghans who were working with the United States in Afghanistan. And what Assange said, and this is the quote, um, well, they're informants. So if they get killed, they've got it coming to them. They deserve it. Yeah, so many said that that's a really brutal response, of course. Others who say he absolutely acted in the public interest, this is another comment that we had, without whistleblowers such as Julian who are prepared to publish the truth, no matter how inconvenient or upsetting we might find it, no matter how difficult it might be for the government of the day to prevent a scandal, the ordinary citizen can never hope for transparency and integrity in government. Which is a long way of saying it's just a very, very divisive issue. And Kate, <laughs> sceptical though, isn't it? That's yeah, skept- that is sceptical. <laughs> but Kate, plenty of squizzes who just don't know. I did like the, a couple of squizzes who said something along the lines of, and this was one specific quote, I haven't read any of your recommendations on the topic, so I just don't know enough to have a view. And that's why News Club is here, Claire. <laughs> it's perfectly okay not to have a view, even after you've read the recommendations. We're just here. If you do want to form an opinion, we're here to help you with that. Or even if you just want to know a bit more about things. Yeah, exactly. Final thoughts, Claire. So I think probably in doing the reading in all of this, there are so many side stories and so many side stories about how strident some of his supporters are. There's many who are just 100% on highlighting Mm. his case and they're doing whatever they can to help him. Uh, It was Alice from our team who drew attention to the one that I'm going to highlight here. There's an article from The New Yorker last week about a Russian artist. He lives in France. He's set up a vault where there's about $60 million of art sitting. It's been donated by artists and by investors. And if Assange dies, it will just go up in flames. If he, if he dies in prison. Yeah, we're talking about Picassos and Rembrandts and all the good stuff. Uh, it's called the dead man switch. And if he's released, what will happen to that art is that it'll go back to the owners. It's quite a fascinating story and it just really, as you said, demonstrates just how far people are willing to go um, for this cause, as they call it. Mm. My, um, I mean, I sort of teased my final thought, but my final thought is just 
I looked back over the years of what our leaders here in Australia have said about Assange. So, you know, Kevin Rudd, Julia Gillard, Tony Abbott, Scott Morrison. It's the theme has always been about staying out of it, letting the legal system do its thing. Interesting, the change in rhetoric, it's softened a lot. We saw Peter Dutton say that this has gone on too long just last year. The tone has shifted and I'm fascinated to see, depending on the outcome of this appeal, where it lands come the end of the week. Yeah, exactly right. And that political nature of these discussions, whether that actually does lead to the political solution that Assange's family are looking for is a TBC. But certainly I agree with you, that change in tone is just so very stark. That's News Club for another week. As we said, lots more on our Instagram account at The Squeeze News Club. Give it a follow and we will chat to you on Saturday with The Weekly Wrap. 